Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome back to the Flow Track Podcast. Happy Friday, everybody. I'm Kevin. He's Gordon. You can email the pod, flowtrackpodcast at gmail.com, or you can leave a comment on our YouTube page. We have a specific YouTube page now just for the podcast. And I want to read some of these, Gordon, because last time we challenged the listeners, we said you should preface any comment on YouTube with Gordon won't read this just to see if we'd read it. And we got one here, a great one here. Right off the bat, Gordon won't read this. How how does it feel that my Blazers just floored the Sixers without CJ McCollum, Nurk, or Lillard? We're honestly mediocre at best. This is kind of funny. I don't even watch basketball that often. <laughs> I like this. First. Three things. I like them. Three things. Number one, first of all, you're not supposed to read YouTube comments because there's nothing but bad things that come out of YouTube comments. But I guess this because is the exception. Our podcast we're- we're the exception that we have to actually read the YouTube comments. Number two, Joel Embiid was the best player in the league that day. He was phenomenal. He had 31 points in the first half that alone. Day. Great. And just, like, chilled. And number three, hey, losses don't count unless you have your full squad available. So Sixers were playing That's without right. Ben Simmons, so it doesn't count. Mm. We're still 15-1 and one when our two best players play. And that's we all Brooklyn nonsense. If we beat Brooklyn yeah, tomorrow, if we beat Brooklyn tomorrow, then this loss means nothing. It was off a of back-to-back. Who cares? I will say this. There is a weird thing that goes on in the NBA where teams who don't have their best player or this year teams that are down to eight or nine people or nine people, I guess, overperform it seems like an extraordinarily high rate because my Spurs have been on the bad end of that a couple times where the team's best player is out and then some t- and then somehow their third string point guard who's now their second string point guard goes off for like six threes or a team that has only nine players available somehow manages to win another comment here that has nothing to do with basketball uh from christian do you guys think cooper tier can get the indoor xc and outdoor triple Ooh, we're talking triples here gordon i mean he's definitely going to win an indoor title 
The question is, can he come back and win an XC title? Maybe. I mean, it's definitely less. I think I think Luis Gorhalva is the favorite, but the way Cooper Tier is mm-hmm. running, you can't just say Cooper Tier doesn't have a chance because that's just stupid. Cooper Tier is definitely talented. Cooper will be in the front pack. He will be in it. The question is, will his indoor shenanigans of running DMRs, miles, and 3Ks affect his final 2K in a 10K race against a fresh Grijalva? I don't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's possible. And if he were to win cross, then he would become the outdoor favorite because he would have pulled off an incredible feat. So the question is, can he win cross? And if he does then he'll be favored outdoors. But I think he'll come up short on cross. And then because of that, you know, the, whoever wins cross is going to have a lot of confidence. And Edwin Kerr got also is out there for Iowa State waiting for outdoors. So, mm. yes, it could happen, but it won't happen. That's my take. You got another question here. Want to know about Drew Bosley of NAU. Says, I know he's injured right now, but is it possible to recover and get in good shape in six weeks? That's from Matthew. Yeah, I think Drew's going to be in the top seven. Uh, the vibe I got from the coach wasn't that, hey, this is a – I think Drew's going to be ready. That's the vibe I got from the coach. Now, I could be mm-hmm. wrong, but I got the vibe that him and Luis were both withheld, not for any drastic reason. I do think okay. Drew – I mean, I guess Drew – I think Drew would still be in their top five based off of – you know, he was a top returner from last year, so and he ran well. Mm-hmm. So Yeah. Let's stick with cross country for now. We just had results come in from the FSU Winter XC Classic down in Tallahassee. On the women's side of things, you had Colorado win the meet 72 to 77 over Stanford. Duke was in third, Oklahoma State fourth, Iowa State fifth. Ella Donahue, Kay Logue, and Sophia Dudek went in the top three places there. I The big story here, we'll start with the women and then we'll get to the Ben here in a second, is the drop-off from Stanford's three to four because Stanford goes one, three, nine, and then they don't get another runner in until uh, 31, well, 31 points, 32nd place overall, which was Jessica Lawson. Then two spots behind that was Grace Connolly and then Aubrey Roberts was a bit farther back. This to me seems just like a an issue of shaking off some rust. I wouldn't be too worried if I was Stanford because you showed that you can have you have three really high quality runners and I would guess Lawson is going to come back around Roberts. I mean they, they have a lot of options there to figure out four and five and the fact that Donahue and Dudek are so good has to be comforting. What what was your read on these results? Did this change your perception of anything? I mean, I don't come out of it as confident as like, hey, it's no big deal as you. I mean, Stanford, Jess Lawson was 11th at Nationals last year. She's like yeah, the third yeah. returner. And, and I'm got, assuming she'll get back to that. Well, well, she she got 32nd place here. She yeah. was uh, over a minute behind, almost a minute mm. behind her teammate Donahue. You don't finish a minute behind someone on accident and just be like, oh, yeah, I just – it's an off day, so I'm going to finish a minute behind someone who I normally run up with. Like, that doesn't really happen. I think 
while she can improve, I don't know if she's going to be the one-two punch that Stanford hopes that she was part of in Donahue and Lawson. Uh, I mean, we don't know what's going on. It could be, hey, run this conservatively. Hey, you're dealing with an injury. Hey, you had to take a week off. Yeah, they haven't run that much. We don't even know how long, hey, how long they've more... been practicing in Sta- yeah, Stanford, but... right? We don't even we don't even know that. So listen, how, she doesn't. That didn't, that didn't affect Donahue, who won the race. I, I don't. Well, everybody's. If they're not, we have no idea what what their lead up to this race was. Some schools have had an easier time of it than others. I'm just saying, you, you don't even need her to be with Donahue for Stanford to win this thing because you could have some. You could have someone like Dudek fill that role, and then as long as Lawson slots in as a serviceable fourth or fifth woman, then you're going to be in business. Credit though to credit though to Colorado. For, for getting yeah. the win. Their first runner, Rachel MacArthur, was fifth. Then they had Michaela DeGenero in 12th. Then Covert, Constian, uh, they're three and four. And then Abby Nichols, the Iowa, Ohio State transfer, excuse me, finished in in 24th. You had your eye on Oklahoma State, though, I think, correct? You did some Oklahoma State yeah. math? Yeah, Oklahoma State math, they finished fourth in this race. Uh, but if you look at, they had a really strong top three, similar to Stanford's top three. Mm-hmm. Um, but they had a really far back uh, four and five. Their four and five scored 75 and 78 points. But you look at their top three, Taylor Rowe, Gabby Henterman, and Molly Bourne. There's an athlete missing from that top three. And that is Taylor Summers, who finished 18th mm-hmm. in cross last year. She was top 20 in cross last year. If she can get back, if she, maybe maybe she is precautionally held out because of injury, you throw in her, and she is in the form of her teammates, um, Bourne and Henderman. That means Oklahoma State mm-hmm. now has a really strong top four. Again, they'll need a, a better fifth, but if you know, home course, hey, you you have this strong top four, that's something to get excited about. Uh, I think now maybe Oklahoma State uh, isn't going to rush it because if you look at their top four, their top four are all underclassmen. So they could say, hey, we don't want to rush Taylor Summers. She's still going to be back next year along with our other top three. We can be a podium contending team in the fall Mm -hmm. of 2021. But if she's healthy – or gets back to being healthy, I wouldn't be surprised if Oklahoma State surprises some because Rose have an incredible season. She she went she finished second to to Whitney Orton uh, back in the fall. Hennerman has a great race here, finishes eleventh, and then Molly Bourne, a top twenty returner, finishes fifteenth in this race. Oklahoma State sneakily has a good team if they throw in one more low stick. So you're saying you're not panicking about teams that didn't have the best four and five in this meet. That's what you're saying? No. There's a difference between not running the race and running the race and getting 30th. Oh, really? Yeah. I don't know. So you could say you could say running the race and getting 30th. At least you know that they're healthy enough to get on the, the start line. We, we don't know. We don't know. We don't know. I don't, I don't want to speculate. But I will say we've seen people have bad races in the beginning and, and then work it out. Ordinarily, this would be the what? This would be your random home meet. Your first race of the year is your random home meet against two schools that are nearby, and you tempo run the thing 
and nobody knows what it means because all five of you cross the line together. That's what this normally is, but they're not doing that this year. So I think those types of meets oftentimes disguise people who aren't in race shape yet because they're all just jogging together. And then when we really see them try for the first time, it's at a Wisconsin, it's at a pre-nationals meet where they're a little bit sharper. And then, then you see, and then you can worry or get excited about people's performance. But this is basically serving the same purpose that that early season dual meet or try meet would against a couple of uh, local schools. So I'm not going to read too much into it, except for the men's race, in which case I'm going to say Wesley Kiptu is the individual favorite for the men. That's just what I'm going to say. No, just kidding. Uh, <laughs> he won by, what, 15 seconds here over Eduardo Herrera. Stanford won the, the team race over Iowa. Well, Iowa State and Colorado tied at 98. Iowa State uh, gets the victory there on the tiebreaker, looks like. But Kip 2 bounces back from his 3K loss. Stanford freshman looking pretty good. They go 5-6 individually. What do you think of the men's race? Yeah, I mean, Eduardo Herrera at the Oklahoma State meet back in the fall mm -hmm. finished fourth. Ran 23.40, and Luis Grijalva won that race in 23.30, so he beat Herrera by 10 seconds. In mm. this race, Herrera gets beaten by, what, 15, 15. seconds? 14 mm -hmm. to 15 seconds? So Kiptu beats Herrera. It definitely shows that Kiptu is going to be, I mean, we already knew this, is going to be in that front pack with Mance, Grijalva, maybe even Nico Young, Cooper Tier. Um I think Kip 2, though, he has shown some weaknesses. He finished third in a 3K against the two Oregon guys. Now, you could argue, hey, it's a shorter distance. Kip 2 yeah. is not a tactical kicker. I mean, he hasn't really been in the NCAA long enough to learn that. Maybe he's just a go-from-the-gun type guy, and he figures it out as he goes. Looking at his splits, he went out through 3K in 8.18. His 5K was 13.59. Mm -hmm. I mean, sub 14 5K in a in a cross country race is pretty good. No, yeah. <laughs> I mean, what did well, Eduardo was... Herrera run? So Eduardo Herrera went out in 14.14, and Kip mm -hmm. Two went out in 13.59. So at 5K, yeah. he was already up by 15 seconds. This right, is right. wild. Yeah. What do we think of these Stanford freshmen, Sprout and Hicks? I mean, they look good. Here's one thing I, got, I take away from this race. I know I probably shouldn't be doing this, but uh -oh. Uh -oh. To, no team is really coming out of this race as like, uh, hey, watch out for them against NAU or BYU. There, right. It's a lot of high scoring. I mean, 67 points, 98-98. And if you look at the time distance, it's like, Herrera runs 23.05. Stanford's top stick is 23.30. So it's like almost 30 seconds back from Herrera. If that's mm -hmm. a long time, like if if you mm -hmm. want to compete at the national level, like podium wise, you need to have people who are in that top group of 20, like a Herrera. And I mean, Again, let's look at last last Oklahoma State. So Herrera wants twenty three forty. 
you had Abdi Hamid, a bunch of Oklahoma State guys, mm-hmm. some NAU guys, all within Herrera's, within 30 seconds of a Herrera. Here, none of the Stanford guys were that. So I look at it as like, it's a, hey, it's great for Cole Sprout, Charles Hicks. They ran well, but sometimes something disguised in a cross-country results is you like, oh, fifth place, oh, tenth place. But you kind of got to look at the time back because the time back is, I think, more indicative of the quality of the run as opposed to just mm-hmm. your place. And um, I think the thing I get out of this is that Stanford, Iowa State, and Colorado are top 10 teams but aren't really showing that they're top four quality. That's what I take from there. And I'll take from it that we're going to wait, just like with the women, because I don't know what those Stanford men are going to look like another race into the season. I think if they do run in Las Vegas in a couple weeks, that'll tell us a lot more because I believe Colorado might run in that meet as well too. So we could get some good rematches here and just see how much each team has has, has improved. Also, just the, the composition of the roster I think would change because I'm guessing people might be – some people are raring to go, but other people might be a little more – cautious for example did Kashawn harrison run this race i don't see him in here for for colorado i don't know if he was no, he or was planning to run but that would be a big difference maker for colorado syracuse down there in eighth was a bit of a surprise to me yeah joe dragon and jp trojan did not run as well you think they would finish there in the top ten, especially JP Trojan, the William and Mary transfer. Aiden Tucker, man, what's going on with him? He, f- he finished seventh for his team in ninety first place. Aiden Tucker, he's interesting. If you look, if you scroll down, there's some like known names who did not finish mm-hmm. in the top tiers. That on paper you'd be like, oh yeah, it's a it's a good athlete. It's a strong f- number five stick or four stick, and then mm-hmm. they finish in the the nineties to hundreds. Um, mm-hmm. But like you said, you are right in that some of these cross country races can be weird, uh, especially when they're so used to having a typical rotation of, Hey, we do the small dual meet. Then we go to the invitational. Yeah. Then we do conferences. Then we get ready for the big enchilada. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. Uh, Stanford, they definitely, they're definitely going to be good, but they just didn't mm-hmm. do anything that's like, whoa. That's what I wanted to see. I wanted to see a, like a, a whoa performance, but we just didn't get that. The problem is everything is measured compared to BYU and NAU, who not only were a cut above everybody like last week, like they've lived up to every expectation we had of them, right? Like, though, like you would have defaulted – even though NAU barely beat Colorado in 2019, but because Colorado transferred or sorry, graduated so many people, you'd have thought, okay, NAU, BYU, clear two favorite teams. And then we fast forward two years and they've only gotten stronger, basically. And the gaps only widen between the two that it's so yeah. hard to figure out. It's so hard to figure out who's going to be next because you're just, you're comparing it to NAU and BYU. That's why the women's race is so fascinating because we don't have any of that right arkansas graduated for the top five byu graduated uh two of their top three and four of their top five like 
there's just not that same consistency from year to year just because the way the years worked out. And then you add in BYU and NAU also just added in because of circumstance. You know, NAU adds in the be- one of the best distance runners in high school history. BYU adds back in Klinger, who's an important an important piece for them. So the rich got richer, and the the women's side of things much more ambiguity there. While we're on the topic of college, do you want to discuss your rankings at all? I know you released them on the site yesterday. The indoor, the official indoor team rankings and individual rankings. Actually, wow, you got you did a lot of rankings here. I'm looking at this right now. This is an impressive. Amount hey, of work. it's great that you Good look job. at our site now, man. I appreciate you logging yeah, in, just, giving us a click. I just refreshed here. Uh, I mean, you got Oregon. You blew past the mid-40s with Oregon men. Now I'm feeling like yeah, well, you took my my bullishness on Oregon and threw gasoline on it, basically. So let me finish up cross-country a bit, and then we'll transfer to indoor. Uh, I am going to be – We I have this past week, I've been working on the latest 2021 new improved 3.0 cross-country rating algorithm. All right? It's had some tweaks over the years, but I feel like I finally got it. You know, this is this is the one where this is the right order of rankings mm-hmm. for individuals and teams. And this race right here, this FSU Winter Classic, will be one of the data points that I kind of plug into it. So we will have our new official cross country rankings coming out on Monday next week. And yeah. I already have most of the data points in there because this race needs to be thrown in, and then there's an Oregon meet going on later today that will be thrown in as well. Uh, but I'm kind of excited to see how it unfolds to see, especially on the women's side, because there's a lot of ambiguity. One thing I did notice, the BYU women, low-key, are pretty good. Uh, even though they did lose a bunch of their top-tier runners, uh what I think all said and done, BYU, I think, is going to be a podium team, which is kind of incredible to show that they're able to stay up the top despite losing an Erica Burke and a Courtney Wayman. So, uh, yeah, those rankings come out on Monday. The rankings that are out now, which are the individual indoor track rankings, came out last night. And you're surprised about them? What's, what's, what's wrong with my rankings? Well, just it's funny because I brought up Oregon on Monday just because of their great weekend, and I've said, yeah, they could, they could probably win this indoor meet just the way everything is breaking <laughs> down. And then I was I was using the term I was using the words you know, get to that magical forty point threshold, which again is the bare minimum is the bare minimum. And I, I probably should have been more if I got out pen and paper and did a form chart, I probably would have had way more than that. But then, it, so it went from hey, they can get to forties or mid forties to win. To then, you texted me later on that day. You had them in the sixties, and then I see the rankings on the site, and they're now at seventy six, which is twenty nine points clear of second place. So they went from hey, they could they could win this. It's, no one's talking really about Oregon for for one year. Oregon's gone quiet, but maybe we should talk about them. To now, you have them projected to win the meet by twenty nine points. That's huge. Yeah. So I have them. I have their freshman, Michael Williams, getting second in the 60. Mm-hmm. In the field events, I have Isaiah Griffith getting eighth in the long jump. So that's nine points total, eight plus one. I have them mm-hmm. getting third. They have a freshman, Emmanuel Iamiji, getting third in the triple. So that's another six. Mm-hmm. So now they're at 15 points. Uh, 
And then I have Max Vollmer, who's a heptathlete, getting fifth. So that's another four. So they're at 19 points, right? Then at relays, I have them winning the DMR. So they're at 29 Mm -hmm. points. So they're at 29 points before we count any distance distance uh, points. Mm -hmm. Then I have them getting fifth in the 800, Luis Peralta, the sophomore. I have them going, getting second in the mile, fourth in the mile, which is Charlie Hunter and Reed Brown. I have Mm -hmm. them getting first in the 3K, third in the 3K. And then I have them getting first in the 5K, fifth in the 5K. And then that adds up a total to 76 points. Yeah, and some of these are conservative too because you have Mance running the 3K and the 5K. So there's room for improvement there. Now somebody obviously can jump up and and pass Cole Hawker or Tier. That's not... That's not that unlikely because of how how deep uh, NCAA distance running is. But there's like room for them to grow on this as well too. Hunter, you mentioned you don't have him winning the mile. You have him getting second. You have Brown getting getting fourth there. Peralta could probably run better than fifth too. Like these aren't overly optimistic. This isn't wish casting for for Oregon in any way, shape, or form. Uh, what about the women? The women you have Arkansas atop the the leaderboard, I believe. Yeah, Arkansas 62 with sixty two points. points, Texas A and M fifty four, Georgia forty, LSU thirty seven. Thoughts? Arkansas, how do they do it? I mean, I see you got Gregory Lauren Gregory winning the mile. Yeah, I Chrissy mean Gear Arkansas is going to the mile. <laughs> is winning the three k? Yeah. And the five. I mean, huh? if you look at, there's like, who's gonna beat Izzo in the three k and the five k? I don't see anyone. There's no one right now who's running out there who's gonna challenge that. It's low key, just a weird distance meet because of the whole. Mm-hmm. I'm focusing on cross, uh, and when Arkansas is like, we're not focusing on cross. We're focusing on indoor. They're going to get all the mm-hmm. points. And I have yeah. them going, getting, going one, four in the mile, going one, five in the 3K, and going mm-hmm. one in the 5K, and then winning the DMR. And that's a lot of points. Yeah, I'm second in the DMR right now. But yes. Oh, second in the DMR. I beat why you winning. The. The 800, the women's 800 is tough, right? You got a thing, Mo, up front, one of the best runners in the nation, let alone college. You have Sage Herda, who is is legit. She's really good. She ran She's really fast when she was – yeah, when she was redshirting. Lori Barton's good. Katie Ann McDonald's good. Lauren Ellsworth for BYU has run some really fast times. Aaliyah Miller in there. Like, you have a lot of credentialed people, and then you get into the – the mile and the 3k and you look deeper down the list and you're just like okay this is an opportunity for because of all the stuff that's happened like you mentioned because of the people going pro because of the people running out of eligibility because of the two seasons happening at the same time there's a lot of people there who are going to be all american for the the very first time in that list or a lot of people who you wouldn't even think about finishing in the top eight would get into the top eight which is interesting 
and it's it's like Arkansas lost so much on the distance side last year or two years ago that you wouldn't think that they'd be able to use the distance to power themselves to an indoor title, and yet here we are. It's kind of weird how that worked out. What's even crazier is I think Taylor Warner had indoor eligibility, correct? Yes. She did. Yeah, indoor. Imagine if she was on this team right now. That would have been incredible. Yeah, they'd be good. They'd be good. She should have signed like just hey, I'll give me the deal, but I just get to sign it on March fifteenth, <laughs> so I can just go out there and win a bunch of NCAA titles. We should have done that. Yeah, but, yeah. Hey, she's in Puma now, living her best life. So good for her. <laughs> uh, okay, anything else we should know in in these rankings, or anything else you're keeping an eye on? Um, it's weird. Uh, it's. The the distance fields are really what's – I mean, if you look at the team rankings, the reason Oregon is number one on the men's side and Arkansas is number one on the women's side, all because of their distance. And mm-hmm. those distance points wouldn't be as flourishing for those two teams if it was a legitimate field. Mm-hmm. And I think if you're in LSU, Florida State, Texas, Georgia, you're probably like, shit, this sucks. We're going to lose to a team that doesn't have to race against the best in the nation. You know, they're racing against the second tier mm-hmm. athletes in the nation. Like in order to win the 60, you have to face seven of the of the top eight runners, right? In yeah. order to win the yeah. 3K, you may only have to face three of the top eight runners. And it's, it's definitely a but I think for Oregon and Arkansas. Yeah, I think part of that argument goes away on the men's side, particularly if, if Oregon wins by 30 points. And if you have someone like Cooper Tier leading the way, because even if everybody's there, Cooper Tier could win those races. It's not as if he was the ninth best guy and then somehow he falls backwards yeah, into an NCAA true. title. Now, nothing is guaranteed, and I, I understand why the sprint and field focused schools would have a bone to pick with how things were administered. But but when you win by 30 points and you have a guy who's what he 13, 13, 15, 5K runner and two two guys in the 740s in the in the in the 3000 it's it's hard to say that those guys aren't deserving of of big points in no, the national yeah, championship yeah. anyway but it's a lot All easier right. yeah it's a lot easier yes. to beat a a 7 53 guy than it is to beat Luis Grijalva. <laughs> yeah a little bit easier yeah no again i'm not i'm not saying that but but 30 points is a big margin. Yeah. That's a big and, – and also, again, if they were doing it just on distance, it would be one thing. But the fact that you have – like with, with the Oregon men – and Arkansas women have some non-distance people too. But Oregon men with, with the triple jump, with the long jump, with the 60, with the, with the heptathlon. And they might get some other people in there as well too once they get going. It, it, it just makes them a – a, a complete team in a year when you you're really rewarded for having a a complete team. But I'm looking forward to the cross country rankings on Monday. That's exciting. I do want to read an email that you got. Uh-oh. Uh oh. On Wednesday, February third, you got mm-hmm. an email from a guy named Shea Foster. He asked us, "Will you guys be at the Florida State XC meet this Friday?" You responded, which I was surprised. We normally don't respond to people's emails, but I guess mm. you were feeling the need to respond. 
You wrote, I respond to all scheduling inquiries. If people want to know where we're going to be, I'll respond to them. That's what I'll okay. do. You wrote, unfortunately, we won't be able to make the trip. We're planning to head to Vegas, though, again in two weeks. And then this guy, Shay, wrote, bummer. It's going to be a good one. Time to upset some people. And believe it or not, Shay did a great job in that race because he actually was in it, <laughs> and he finished seventh. He beat uh, Alec Hornecker. He beat James Segura, who's like a 1340 guy. He beat Alec Parsons. Mm-hmm. He beat Thomas Pollard. Beat Principe. He beat a bunch of guys. Uh, mm-hmm. So big ups to the Southeast Louisiana junior, Shay Foster, coming in seventh in this race. He didn't have his team with him. His team ran in the B race. He ran in the A race by himself because he's just uh, in that top tier category. So good for him. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Top non-power five runner in this race. I I, I Googled after it because I wrote back. I I read the email and then I sent it and I was like, oh, I wonder if this is an athlete or or a parent. And then I looked at the the email and I was like, oh, okay. He, they're in this race, but I saw them in the B race. I said, okay, well, he's going to upset some people in the B race. That's that's cool. You can pull some upsets in the B race. That's possible. And then I opened it up this morning and saw, no, no, he individually was in the A race and ran a 2340. So props to him. Props to him. And, and I'm guessing what? he'll have an opportunity to go to nationals because if he just wins this, I hope if the Southland, is the Southland Conference having a conference championship? Let's quickly... Southland Conference 2020. Oh, oops. 2020. Uh, yeah, they're having a. Oh wait, yeah, they're having their they're conference having championship the in ten days. So he wins that, and he'll go to NCAA's. So we're a, we're a Shea Foster podcast. We want him to win the Southland <laughs> Conference. Go do it. <laughs> He'll, he'll All be objectivity our, is we'll, out the window. Yeah. I'm definitely going to rank him in the top 40. Let's go for that. Yeah. <laughs> a Cinderella story. I love it. I there love it. Go. Here we go. Let's keep moving. We only got a few minutes left. Talk about some races this weekend. Batterman Track Club and some other distance stars are going to be in action in Arizona on Saturday. Christian Swiger, Emma Coburn, Emily Enfield, Gabby W. Stafford, Taylor Werner. And Colleen Quigley will be in the 3K. It'll be Colleen Quigley's first race after announcing she's no longer with the Bowerman Track Club. Gordon, so that's a pretty quick pretty quick turnaround. Made the announcement yesterday on Thursday, and then on Saturday she'll be racing against her old team. What do you think? I, I got distracted. I will talk about that. But I want to talk about something in the cross country one last time. You know how Uh-oh. I said Oklahoma State? Ooh, Taylor Summers, when they throw her in, they'll finish, you know, pretty pretty good. Well, Taylor Summers actually did run this race. She just ran in the B race and finished 23rd. So my Oklahoma mm. State prediction looks like she is coming back from injury. And yeah, anyway, I just had to get that. You don't yeah. count them out, Gordon. Don't, don't count, count out people out, who run bad in the first race of the year. Don't do it. Don't do it. Sure. Join me over here on this side. Give BYU men a 40% chance. There's there's plenty of room over here for the non-overreaction portion of the podcast. Anyway, uh, I'll name All some right. other people who are running, and then you can talk about Quigley. Uh, women's 8, Purrier, McGee, Ephraimson, Danny Jones, Men's 3K, Jager, uh, Edward Cheserek, Joe Klecker, Grant Fisher, 
Sean McGordy, Woody Kincaid, Morgan McDonald, Johnny Gregoric. Uh, but I think most people will be focused on that women's women's 3K. So they're running an outdoor 3K? 3K in Arizona. I'm assuming it will be outdoors, yes. What's the reason <laughs> to get excited for this 3K? What is American record attempt is what I'm guessing. 825 is the American record outdoors and indoors. Christian Schweizer's run 825. That's why you'd be interested. You'd also be interested because, again, like I said before, before he got distracted, this will be Colleen Quigley's first race after switching groups. I'm Again, I'm not a big group team makes a huge difference type of person. Um, she's really good. She's one of the top three steeplers in the United States. That team, you can put pretty much an ink right now of who's going to be on the team. So I don't think it's going to change it dramatically. But that adds a little bit of a, a little bit of a twist to the race. Not that they really worked; they didn't really work together before. Remember indoors in 2019 when it was just Houlihan, Schweizer, and Quigley going at it, battling each other, time and time again. They they are so good that they have to learn to be competitive with each other. So her not being on the team, I don't think is going to change that that dynamic one bit do we know why quickly left yeah you didn't there was a whole thing about no <laughs> well she probably didn't no. say I mean, we know right? it's we know as much as we always know which is not much all right so they let's, seemed on good terms let's they seemed on good terms what's what's a what's a reason let's come up with reasons reasons here's here's a podcast segment reasons why two guys who have no information think <laughs> Colin Quigley left the Bowerman Track Club. Reason number one, she uh, doesn't want to live in Portland anymore. You think that's uh, – I'm going to come up with reasons. The rain. And you have to give me on a scale – I'm going to come up with reasons, and you have to give me on a scale of one to ten how likely that could be true. Ten being it's 100% true. Zero being that's never – that's definitely not a reason. Okay, here, I'll start. Okay, Let me start. All the Blazers being hurt. One to ten. What do you think? That's why she left? playing Portland. Yeah. Maybe she's <laughs> frustrated because Yusuf Nurkic can't get on the court. Zach Collins, is he's got a lot of promise, but the guy okay. can't stay healthy. And then Dame was just the final straw. McCollum's missed a ton I, of time. I, I love your, your way to, like, integrate NBA here, but it makes no sense. This, this okay. but my podcast one. That'll be a one. That'll I'm going to come one. up with reasons that you'd say on one to ten. She doesn't want to live in Portland anymore due to uh, maybe a relationship somewhere else or family or something. She just wants to leave Portland. Ten is greater likelihood and one is no likelihood? Yeah. Or it had less influence? I'll give that one a three. Okay. So you probably think she's staying in Portland then. Okay. Number two. Well, no, that does no, 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 no. As to a reason as why to why she left. Okay. So that, think the, that the, could mean the, that she would leave. The city had nothing to do with it. City had. Nothing I don't to do think with it. so. I don't okay. think so. I'll give it a three. Uh. Not her. Her coach. Coach success with coach. I mean, can't two? be a reason because she's. Yeah, she's one point five. Yeah, all right. Yeah. Uh, wishing to have a new sponsor, new sponsorship Six. opportunity. 
Six. Okay. Eight. Eight. Do you think she'll lose? I just changed. I think a lot of people's contract was up at the end of the year and they tested the waters. So, I mean, she might stay, she might stay with Nike. Um, she might not, but I want to know, I don't know. I've heard a lot of things about like the, how contracts are structured, but you never get any confirmation. So I'll just, yeah, I'll say, I'll go, I'll split the difference. I'll say seven there. I did a six and an eight. I'll say seven. Okay. How about this one? Mm-hmm. Drama. They could take it uh, anyway. Just drama. <laughs> just, just drama in general. Um, yeah. Three. I don't think that's... Okay. I think people, professionals, are motivated by their ability to race. Right? So that being healthy and getting opportunities to race and being compensated a fair amount, what they determine a fair amount for their, their services. And then the quality of life is on there as well, too. But All right. I have a few more uh, or one more. Maybe okay. Two. All right. Courtney Freerix. You're squeezing it. Courtney Freerix. No. One. No. I don't. One. Be- are you saying because she's a, a competitor in the steeple? Yeah. And if you ever want to beat her, maybe you should stop training with her. So I feel like if you want to beat her – See, Carisha Swizer's evidence of this. If you want to beat Shelby Houlihan, train with Shelby Houlihan. It worked. Yeah, it worked. I true. feel like unless she's going to go train with Emma Coburn or an international steepler, I think it's it's helpful to have somebody there. All right, here's one. Uh, wanting to do something different. So that could be a different event or it could be like, hey, I I enjoyed my time uh, running and I've had great successes, but I have other personal aspirations that are separate from running and I want to be able to focus more on that type of stuff. And you can't do that if you're part of the Baron Track Club because being part of the Baron Track Club means you're, you live, breathe, and sleep you know, you know, focusing on running and maybe she wants to make running a secondary thing and focus on other potential, you know, yeah. Or to to phrase a different way, she wants to have more flexibility because when you're in a group and that's the, there are a lot of people who do it themselves. You know, they become pro and they're basically training solo or with a couple of people but they can kind of drop in and drop out that's not the vibe i get from the bowerman track club the vibe i get is you're you're all the way in on it so i yeah i could see that someone being like hey i want a little bit more flexibility to do to do different things my plan is i'm still a runner first but i also want to be able to do these other things i'll give that one a a 6.5 on that one yeah i'm trying i'm trying to get to what can i say that i'll get you to I'm trying to get a 10 out of you. Well, I don't know. So it's never going to be a 10 until I ask her the question. When I ask her the question and she says, hey, it's because the weather in Portland, then I can say 10 for that one. But I think combination wanting to do something 
new, wanting more flexibility. And also a, I'm sure there's a financial component because there's a financial component to everything. Because if they, if, if she said, if she went to the head up, head of Nike and said, Hey, I want to leave the Bowerman track club. And they said, Hey, no, how about we give you a million dollars a year? I think that would change your mind. Cause that would change everybody's mind. So there's always a, there's always a, a financial component to these things. Um, it wouldn't even need to be a million dollars probably, but yeah, you're doing a good job so, of speculating. Based on this change, will Colin Quigley be worse in 2021, better in 2021, or the same in 2021? And the definition of better, same, or worse is season's best mark and world finish. I think she will be... Slightly better. Whoa. Slightly better. Throwing some shade on Jerry Schumacher right here on the podcast. No, I'm not. Whoa. No, Whoa. I'm not throwing shade. Yeah, I just easy, think sometimes – I think sometimes – I'm a big change – I'm a big change proponent. We talked about this with uh, Alexa Ephraimson before. I'm a big proponent of uh, – you get a little bit of a bump, especially if you've been at the same level for a while – you got a little bit of a bump from switching things up. I don't think she's going to go to, hey, I'm going to win the gold medal and and break the world record in the steeple. I don't think that's going to be it. But I think she'll be better. She'll get a little bit of a bump for where she was. I mean, she'd had injuries before, you know, a lot of injuries in the past too. So if she can just keep herself healthy, that's that's part of it too. I don't know. Is that – do you think she's going to – what do you think? Same probably? I think the same. Same is a safe bet. Which is yeah, same good. is a safe bet. Yeah. Right. Uh, right. I still think that Colin Quigley, I bet you, thinks about this every day. At least maybe I think about it every day. I shouldn't be thinking. I don't. I don't think about this every day. But we all remember the one-two finish at the 2017 World Championships with uh, Coburn and Frerichs. Right. It was a great U.S. moment. These U.S. steeplers just took down like the East Africans. You haven't seen something like this. It was like. It felt like a breakthrough for U.S. distance, female U.S. distance running, because uh, that was an event that was just dominated by East Africa, and they just came in and went one two. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. Yeah, and I just want to know what would have happened if the bullshit DQ never happened to Colin Quigley, and she could have been in that final. And because if you don't remember, she got DQ'd because her pinky toe was on the white line of during mm -hmm. the cones and it was just like a bull had def gave her no competitive advantage but it was the DQ era where everyone wanted to be DQ'd for something Mo Farah made the same mistake and didn't get DQ'd but Colin Quigley does it and gets DQ'd happens to be in London I'm not saying anything but it definitely was a bullshit call and I she was running with Frerichs all mm -hmm. season long so if Frerichs got second in that race you have to believe Quigley would have been just with her. And maybe Colin Quigley wins that race. Maybe she gets third and it's a, a sweep. It's mm -hmm. it just I want to know what that timeline is. I want if if yeah. I had a time machine, I would go to 2017. I would talk to Colleen. I'm like, hey, my name's Gordon. I'm from the future. I know it's weird. Don't step on the First, line. Relax. It's gonna be okay. Number one. Watch out for 2020. 
Uh, it's going to be crazy. But number two, this race, watch your feet on the line. Trust me. You'll, 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 you'll trust. You'll, you'll thank me later. And then she yeah. goes on and yeah. maybe finishes top three, maybe, maybe even wins. Uh, yeah, that's the one thing. And I think what about does that Colin change Quigley. then? What does that change? So then she, so she has a medal. She's more marketable, but we could be at the same spot we are now. Couldn't we? I think it changes confidence. Money. I think it changes okay. confidence. I think it could mentally just change your mindset of everything. And maybe you don't even get injured, right? I feel like a lot of times injuries can happen for crazy reasons where you, you know, not that you're at fault of your injury, but maybe it could have changed everything. And if she's not mm -hmm. injured, because she was injured, what, 2019? Yeah, she didn't run in the – she made the team and then yeah. didn't, didn't compete in 2019. Like, yeah, there's just so many different things that could have happened. I think it could have catapulted her to a, like, a new – I mean, Corny Furks went on to break the American record. Maybe she's yeah. breaking the American record. I don't know. Yeah. I don't, I don't know if I go that far in that one race, but definitely could have meddled. And then, again, you never know know from there but I, I think i mean frerix has proven it time and time again how yeah. just how good she is i if this was any other event i would say oh man this is going to have massive repercussions on who makes the team but this is the chalkiest of the chalk events at the olympic trials uh, in fact i i said a bold prediction might be to say that one of those three isn't going to make the olympic team but i didn't even go that far because it just seems so uh unreasonable that someone out of that top three would would get it uh, I think we have five more minutes here. Do you want to talk about the – we have Atlanta Track Club – or Atlanta Track Club, excuse me. American Track League meet this weekend. Get to see Bromel in another 60, Fred Curley in another 400, Nick Willis in the mile versus Tacky from, from Texas Tech. So you got to watch that for your college rankings, Gordon. You got to watch the American Track League to see um, if the 800 is, is, is drastically changed. Or maybe he's, maybe he's going to move into the mile rankings. Taki is going to move in, a, in the mile rankings. Omar McLeod in the 60 hurdles. Uh, Shakima Wibley, Chloe Abbott, the 400. Nikki Hiltz makes her debut in the 800. Um, big name there, too, is Sophia Goriarian, who has run 202 outdoors and 203 indoors. She's a high schooler who is a, is a high school sophomore, <laughs> graduates in 2023. 2023. It's really far away. Yeah. Yeah, uh, that makes her. I, I don't really have it. I don't really have any thoughts. Um, Faster or slower for Bromel this week? He was one hundredth off his PR last time. Does he get his PR? Uh, faster. I think he breaks his PR. Oh wow! Why not? Okay, let's do it. All right, breaks his PR. We should also make an announcement on the pod. Should we make the announcement? I don't know what the announcement is, so I'm a little nervous. I'm gonna go through gonna your text messages to me. Oh, I want to make an no, announcement. No this is kind of funny. No, I'm gonna say I'm okay, not gonna I'm not gonna say the person's name. I'm not gonna say the person's name. But it was funny that you okay. texted me. You texted a a fairly prominent athlete yesterday, asking them uh, a question, and then they wrote back with who is this. <laughs> and I thought it was funny because I feel like you thought, and I would have assumed too, you had forged a connection with this athlete, and instead you got who is this. <laughs> And I had previous texts. I had previous texts with the athlete. 
Maybe with your name. He got a new phone. Maybe he got a new phone. Okay. I mean, he definitely didn't get a new phone. He just didn't put me in his phone. <laughs> so he remembered the number when we were communicating. But then two years later, you forget that yeah, yeah. number. It doesn't save sure. the data so you can't pull back. I mean, I don't blame him. I don't save a lot of numbers. It's not like he, after how I did, told him how, who I was, he followed up with, what's your last name? Like, I need, a, I need more information. Like, I no, that's not his name. No, no. Okay. Did you guys work things uh, out? Yeah. Oh, we did, but we also didn't. Um, okay. It might not happen, but if it does, it'll happen. Basically, okay. for those people, we're having a conversation about something that no one knows what we're talking about. I was just texting an athlete to see if we could do a workout Wednesday with them. So yeah, he might not be in okay, town when your... I want to film. So it's all right. Okay. Uh, what's your What's your announcement? Later this month, live on Flow Track, we're live streaming the high school national championships, the Adidas mm. Indoor Nationals, live on Flow at Virginia Beach. I'm sure you guys know that. Um, New Balance canceled their meet. The NFHS or NASAF meet canceled because NSAF and New Balance split. So there were going to be two national championships. One was going to be hosted in Boston. Another one was going to be hosted, I think, still in the Armory or the in New York somewhere. Um, both of them canceled. So all these high school kids are like, we have no national championships, similar how NXN and Foot Locker canceled. But Virginia Beach facility stepped up, uh, and Adidas is sponsoring the Adidas Indoor Nationals live on Flow. So we're going to see the best kids from around the country get a national title. And it happens mm -hmm. end of February, February 26th, 27th, 28th. Uh, mm -hmm. It's exciting. These kids need opportunities to run, right? We're seeing track meets happen all over the country. We're seeing multiple track meets happen. We can have a national championship. If we can have an NCAA championship, we can have a high school championship. And so it's exciting that we have to live stream it for the people. Hmm. That's my announcement. And then on Tuesday coming up, we have another world indoor tour meet on the site for viewers in US, Australia, and Canada that has a lot of big names. We'll preview that one on, on Monday when we recap all the results from the weekend as well. <coughs> that's right all right we'll leave it there Gorn going out with a cough there thanks to Alon for producing remember COVID. you can find the show yeah, remember you can find the show on YouTube leave us comments please again preface it with Gordon won't dare to say this on the air and then we'll read it on the air oh the music went on and off come on Alon you gotta get that music going here it's the weekend thanks everybody for listening we'll talk to you guys on Monday Go Sixers. <laughs>